Hi team, this is the Be Real With Us podcast by The Path to Goals on a mission to help you quit yo-yo dieting forever, eat foods you love, embrace the strength of lifting heavy ass weights and cultivate an undeniable level of confidence that inspires women around you to do the exact same. We are certified nutritionists and personal trainers who just wanna be real with you when it comes to nutrition, strength, and mindset. We specialize in behavior change, hormones, metabolism, sleep, stress, recovery, and mindset. If you are frustrated by all the conflicting information floating around on the internet, well, don't worry because we are here to call out the bullshit and help you stop overthinking and start doing. Billions of these humans, humans. spinning on a ball of confusion. confusion. Some kids I went to school with, school with. gave up on their dreams, they said screw it. Screw I it. said, oh, I'ma make some, I'm make some music, even if they tell me it won't do shit. I do it. Damn, I fucking knew it. I'm blowing up quick. I said, boom, bitch. I could give a Hey, Path to Goals team. Thank you for joining in and listening to our podcast today. We're super excited to talk about um, weight loss and muscle building. How are you doing, Shantae? Hello, hello. I'm doing good. How are you, Alyssa? I am good. How, what is your plans for this weekend? Any oh, fun things happening? Yeah. Um, Camila has a soccer practice. <laughs> soccer Aww. practice. I'm saying this in quotes. <laughs> um, this is like her third time going, so that's always fun. Fernanda works, so it'll be me just taking her. And then, um, yeah, just relaxing. We don't have anything planned. What about you? Um, well, we have painters coming to paint. Oh, yeah. uh, my unborn child's name is Isaiah. <laughs> so we, uh, yeah, we're getting his room ready as of now. And the painters are coming to paint his room, to paint the other guest room, our bathroom. And so uh, after that's done, then Kevin's going to start on installing the floors upstairs. Whew. So Let me tell exciting. you. Owning a house and re like modeling everything is so exhausting. My husband and I have been remodeling our house for the past literally every single weekend for the past two years in preparation well, for baby. <laughs> to be fair, your house is like a mansion. It's like thirty five hundred square thirty. I know. How, how big? And you're you're customizing every square inch of it. So I know I I have my, and you know what? It's our first house, and I'm like, I want everything perfect. Um, But yeah, it's a pretty big house. And it's a big house. You know, even like cleaning on, you know, cleaning Saturdays, I'm like sweating my ass off. I'm like, did we make a mistake? (laughs) This house is so huge. It will feel better when you fill it with a bunch of babies. Oh, it feel so big. You don't say that. I'm so worried about the first one. Uh, <laughs> I'm still nervous about that. Um, so yeah, that is what we are doing this weekend. Um, but I'm super excited to talk about building muscle. You probably saw the title of this podcast is Fuck Weight Loss. Let's build some muscle. We can talk and, about this all day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this we is our favorite topic. Because, you know, a, lo- a lot of women come to us and I have a lot of conversations with women on Instagram about their goals. And it's usually the go-to, I want to lose weight. I want to lose weight. I want to lose, I want to look toned. Um, I want to build muscle and lose fat. Right. Um, and I think for the most part, at the end of the day, what a lot of women 
initially desire is a, a certain look, right? You want to look like you work out, right? You want to look like you have some muscle on you, want to um, look lean, you want to, um, you know, obviously maybe lose some weight in that process. Uh, but the mindset behind weight loss is very different than the mindset of built, built, actively building muscle. And so we actually want to talk about the science of building muscle and what that entails, because I don't think a lot of women are quite aware of the negative impacts of just focusing on weight loss and how that impacts your ability to build and maintain muscle mass. And also, um, just how building muscle works in general. Um, so I don't know if you had anything to add to that, Alyssa. I think when, I finally, my mindset switched into building muscle versus trying to get the smallest I could get. It made things so much more enjoyable. <laughs> I'm oh, telling yeah. you that mindset just right there, switching into getting stronger instead of getting smaller made the journey just that much better. Oh, hundred percent. So we have to kind of define what eating more is. Cause I think a lot of women get scared of eating more food and what that means. And um, eating more protein, eating more carbs, or maybe not focusing so much on weight loss anymore. I think it's really hard for a lot of women who have been stuck in fad diet trends, you know, keto, weight watchers, low carb, intermittent fasting, right? Diet hopping. Um, it's, you know, the, the concept of not doing those things and really just eating more for what your body needs. I imagine that there's some level of anxiety on what somebody might be feeling with doing that. And I think a lot of women might assume or think that, oh, I'll just get fat doing that. I'll just, I'm going to gain weight with doing that. When in reality, it's actually what your body needs to build muscle, get strong and feel good in your body. It's not just about the aesthetics. It's also about what is happening internally in your body. What, um, how are you feeling as a result, your energy levels, your biofeedback information, your digestion, um, your sleep, all of these factors, um, are, are involved. And so why does muscle even matter? Um, so I'm going to get into a little bit of this, uh, but it actually increases your resting metabolic rate, your BMR. And Alyssa is going to dive deep into this, so I won't get into this too much, but it also helps regulate your blood glucose levels. So it manages your blood sugars. Um, if you are uh, strength training on a regular basis, um, it's going to improve your bone density and it's going to reduce risk of osteoporosis, which is so essential as we age. Um, we want independence as we age. Um, and that's something that I don't think a lot of people think about, right? We ain't young forever. Uh, there's going to be a point where we're in our 60s and 70s. And I want to be like my parents. I want to be like my parents and my father-in-law. Oh my gosh, Kevin's dad is 70 years old. And that man is a energizer bunny. Like <laughs> man just works and works and hard physical labor. Kevin's dad helped us install our flooring and our downstairs. And that man, the second that he woke up was at like 5 a.m. was mm -hmm. just ready to work. And he was the last one down. That's and so now I'm sure. <laughs> oh yeah, that's where that too. I oh love my that. gosh. I'm like, that's 4 a.m. works his butt yeah. off physical labor, construction all day. Yeah still goes to the gym after. In fact, my mom's like, why do you go to the gym so much? I'm like, mom, this is a good thing. Because <laughs> he goes, he lifts, he goes, plays basketball. Like he- How old is he? Like, 
He's in his sixties. He's probably uh, he. He's born in sixty one. He's definitely he's in his sixties for sure. Um, I mean, that's fantastic. That's amazing. And you know, when Kevin complains about being tired, I'm like, okay, but your dad's not tired. Go call your dad. I don't want to yeah. hear it. Yeah, but, yeah, I don't hear your dad complaining about being tired. He's seventy years old. <laughs> so funny. Um, and then my parents too. Um, my dad, uh, he works out regularly. He has a very active job. He, you know, takes care of himself. And so does my mom. Um, my mom is very health conscious, um, you know, as you guys have learned as well. Um, my mom is currently trying to build muscle. And so we're kind of, you know, working through that. And I'm trying to educate her on what it takes to build muscle because she is very small. She's like 5'3", 110 pounds, maybe even less than that. And so she understands the importance of building muscle as she ages. Um, and so we're currently working on that together. Um, but, um, other than that, uh, posture, balance, coordination, um, there's so many benefits to having muscle mass on your body frame. And if you didn't know, we actually lose about 1% of muscle for women, at least I'm not sure about men, but for women, we lose about 1% of muscle mass every year after the age of 30. And so, this is why it's so important to manage your nutrition and eat enough because if you're also under eating and you're over exercising on top of the, what happens to our body naturally as we ages and especially as we reach menopause and perimenopause, um, you could put yourself in a really, really challenging situation with hormone imbalances and autoimmune disorders and diabetes and all of these different things. And so um, these are some things that we're going to talk about today. And then, of course, you know, the last cherry on top with building muscle are aesthetics. You just, you know, have fun with looking sexy in a bikini. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so those are some uh, benefits on muscle. Alyssa, do you want to get into BMR and explain yeah. what that is? And I think this is this is going to be such an important piece to the puzzle when it comes to our metabolism, ladies. So listen up on um, what Alyssa has to say about BMR. Yes, this is the important part, guys. Like metabolism. It's like, what is the meta- – it's like this spooky little demon that lives inside you. It's like – because you hear this all the time on social media too. It's like metabolism is like we can take this and boost it and take that. You could control it. Like it's something we want to like control and boost. And the truth is your metabolism is actually a very stable process. No, I don't want to hear <laughs> metabolism- that. <laughs> no, right? <laughs> I have control over it? What? Yes, you do have some control. A, a good a majority of it, you have a control over it, right? Metabolism is really just the process by which your body converts food into energy. That's all it is. <laughs> we have to m- metabolize food to obtain energy and build and repair our tissues. And so if you think about calories or so, yeah, food, as energy, it kind of doesn't seem like the boogeyman anymore. It's like, oh, like calories, food, that's just energy. And so obviously your metabolism does is affected by like your age. When you're young, like when you're one or two years old, your metabolism is going to be really high. You're growing. Majority of your body mass gram per, per gram is uh, fueling your organs, like your brain, your kidney. That all takes uh, gram for gram more energy for your body um, than say, you know, as you get older, it's not the majority. So age has a big factor, your sex, body composition, right? The more, more or less muscle that you have. And then of course, some degree is your genetics. Yes. A little bit. Um, and this means that two people at the same height, 
um, and the same weight could have two different um, TDEEs, which I'll go into. Um, what that stands for is total daily expenditure. This is just the total amount of energy your body burns in a day. Like we calculate your TDEE by adding up your BMR, your NEAT, your E, and your TEF, which I'm going to go into each one of those things. So that is what it's comprised of. So number one, um, basal metabolic rate. You probably hear this all the time if you follow other fitness influencers like your BMR. Um, your BMR is the amount of energy your body needs at rest. So you could literally be laying in bed all day, not moving a muscle, and your body is going to burn anywhere between 50 and 70% of your calories uh, just by keeping the lights on. Your brain, right? Your heart pumping, your lungs breathing. And that's going to vary. The percentage is the more active people is going to be actually less because you're probably spending more of that percentage working out. Whereas if you're sedentary, it's going to be more energy spent, um, which you think that's counterintuitive, but it makes sense as I go into all each one of these. So basal metabolic rate is the energy your body burns at rest. Your NEAT, your non-exercise activity thermogenesis, that's always such a mouthful to say. Um, NEAT is the energy you burn through movement um, outside of planned exercise. So see, well, if you're watching, <laughs> I'm fidgeting. I talk like an Italian. Um, I fidget a lot. And so I'm burning calories or energy by just fidgeting and talking with my hands. Um, if so, if you're a fidgeter, maybe you tap your feet, um, a lot, or this could also account for like just walking to your car, going upstairs to grab something. It's anything outside of planned exercise. I know a lot of people will say, Oh, I'm going to go for a walk to get my knee up. Technically, if you're, it's planned exercise, it falls into eat, which is exercise activity thermogenesis. And that is planned exercise, which makes up about 5%. Um, of our totally da total daily expenditure. And then of course, there's a the thermic effect of food, which is the energy that your body uses to uh, digest and absorb and metabolize food. So yes, just by eating, you are burning energy because it takes our body energy to burn it. But um, fun fact, and I don't remember the exact numbers. I think Shantae, you might have these memorized, but I know if you were to eat like 100 calories worth of fat, you metabolize like you net 97 calories and then carbs. It's like 95 okay. calories you would net. And then protein, I want to say it takes, you would, if you ate like a hundred calories worth of protein, you actually net calories like 75. Yeah. So protein, go ahead. Yeah. So I'll let you protein, you're burning at least 30% of those calories that you're eating. So if you eat like a hundred calories worth of egg whites or chicken breast, you're actually at the end of digest, absorbing, digesting, and metabolizing that food, you're actually only consuming 70 calories of that food item versus carbohydrates and fats. It's like zero to 3%, very, very yeah, little so depending so on the source of carbohydrates. So um, obviously, um, carbohydrates that have a little bit higher in fiber that are a little bit more nutritious have a little bit higher thermic effect uh, versus like a sugar cookie. It's good, probably going to have zero. Um, so that is why, I mean, that's not why, but that's another benefit of eating a higher protein diet, especially when it comes to body composition. And when you're in a deficit, you want to prioritize protein, not only for satiety and to you know, help you maintain energy and hunger levels, but it's also a really great fat burn. Like if you're going to name something like a fat burning food, <laughs> right? Because there's a lot of, you know, 
um, buzzwords of like fat burning foods out there, like avocado is like a superfood and like all of these like silly buzzwords. If you're going to dub something a fat burning food, that's going to be your protein. protein. <laughs> and here's an example too. Like Shantae and I say she eats 2000 calories, but her cal- her calories are mostly comprised of fat and carbs, and I'm eating 2,000 calories, and it's mostly fibrous foods and protein, just by us eating the same amount of calories, I'm automatically, even if we were laying perfectly still, burning more just by eating the higher protein, mm-hmm. higher fiber, fiber diet. So just keep that in mind yep. <laughs> when you are going through this process. Is obviously, yes, we promote eating balanced plates where you can incorporate fun foods, but incorporating more protein and more fiber into your diet is important on that level as well. So really what this is, what I just went over was metabolism, but really this is talking about the laws of thermodynamics, right? Calories in versus calories out. And so when we eat more than we um, burn, then we're going to gain. If we consume fewer calories than we burn, you're going to lose, right? And so I think this is why oftentimes you see on the internet too, people are like, that doesn't exist, <laughs> but it's, it's just, it is facts, yeah, right? It's facts. And it sounds so simple. It sounds so simple. Is it really that right. simple? Yes. I'm sorry to break it. It is <laughs> that simple, but what makes it so complicated and so challenging, a couple different factors. One, the application is oftentimes very challenging because in order to be in a caloric deficit, you need to somehow monitor your caloric intake and know how many calories in general that you're eating, right? Being mindful of your portions, managing your weekend nutrition, not, you know, sticking to this like 1500 calorie diet Monday through Friday. And then on the weekends, you're drinking two, three, four glasses of wine and barely eating or overeating, like going to brunch and feeling like those calories don't count somehow, you know, so it takes, it takes intention. It takes planning, it takes, Mm -hmm. um, um, commitment and focus. Right. And then there's the other aspect of stress. Stress is the other component of metabolism that not a whole lot of people talk about. And that impacts the rate in which we burn calories and our body experiences stress in multiple different ways. It's not just perceived stress. It's not just stress that we are feeling at work or having a argument with our spouse, but it's internal stress, right? Our circadian stress, if we're getting enough sleep, if we're experiencing inflammation, if we're experiencing gut issues, all of these different factors that impact our body's stress hormones is going to impact the rate in which we burn calories. It's also going to impact our eating behavior. So it kind of has a ripple Mm -hmm. effect that we sometimes we're, you know, we get into this mindset of, gosh, I'm eating so little. I don't understand. Like I am eating the plan that I, that used to work, you know, like three years ago and I'm still not losing weight. Well, you a might have a completely different life and body than when it, this plan used to work, right? Especially if you know you have kids, and mm-hmm. um, you have a different life, you have a different schedule, you have different stressors going on. You know, as we age, you know, we start to take on more stressors when it comes to taking care of our elderly parents and you know our kids and marital issues, right? And so all of these things definitely impact. Um, our nutrition and our sleep and our hormones. And so, well, then, and also I want to add to that is like, yes, that diet plan and the thing you were doing in your 20s, you probably also had more muscle yeah. back then too. And if you're like, okay, I'm going to follow this exact protocol, 
but you've aged 10 years and you've lost muscle mass, maybe that 1800 calorie diet or that 22,000 calorie diet plan that you were on now doesn't, isn't applicable because you've lost muscles, right? So, I mean, muscle move, like muscle is metabolically expensive compared to fat or compared to bone, um, except the brain. A brain is metabolically expensive, but it is the most meta, it is very metabolically expensive. And so if you have more muscle relative to fat, you're going to expend more energy. So the older you get, this is why it's so important. Even if you don't want to just gain muscle for the vanity reasons, um, you should want to gain muscle just so you can move around as you get older. Absolutely. Yes. And this is where BMR comes in and burning more calories at rest. A lot of people think that they're burning the most calories when they're just exercising, but you're actually, if you have enough muscle mass on you, you're actually burning more calories when you're not doing anything, just resting and chilling than when you're actually exercising, which is why it's so important to prioritize strength training and eating enough food to support your strength training goals in the gym. Um, And we'll talk a little bit about strength training and what the magic formula is for that. Um, but I want to touch on what exactly is, oh, were you done with that? With, okay. yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, I want to touch on what happens to our body when we lose weight too fast. This is really important because, you know, I hear a lot of women who say, I want to look toned and yet you're over here, you're doing a low carb diet, you're doing keto, you're doing intermittent fasting, you're diet hopping and I want to explain why these types of diets or the pursuit of losing weight quickly is putting you at a disadvantage when it comes to maintaining muscle mass. So when we are in a caloric deficit, um, we are naturally not only losing weight and body fat, but we're also losing muscle mass as well. Um, and this is just the process of being in a deficit. And so, um, in order to preserve as much muscle mass as possible, you need to make sure that a, you're not losing weight super fast and that you're losing it at a sustainable rate. And you're also eating enough protein and carbohydrates to support your strength training goals and to just support your energy levels. Um, because, um, At first, your body is looking to energy stored in our muscles and liver, but once those energy sources are depleted, your body is going to start breaking down actual muscle tissue for energy. And so if you're, you know, um, eating, let's just say 2000 calories, you start freaking out because you need to lose weight and you need to lose it quickly. So you slash it down to 1200 calories and Hey, congratulations, you lost 20 pounds, but guess what? You also lost, you lost muscle mass and you lost energy and you lost strength and you're, uh, have brittle, uh, hair and nails and you're lethargic. And so, um, this is not good. These are all signs that you're, losing muscle mass and you're not actually prioritizing your health. Um, and so, um, it's really important that you're not severely restricting your calories because like I said, it's just going to lead to other health issues. Um, one thing that I do notice with women who are trying to get in a deficit, they'll immediately start their deficit from the lowest point possible. The whole point of dieting is to eat as many calories as possible while losing body fat. 
oh, but, but I want to, I want to lose 20 pounds in six weeks or eight weeks. It's like, well, good luck with that because you're just going to gain it back two months later. (laughs) Um, the slower the process, the better chances you have of maintaining your weight afterwards. The whole point here is sustainability. It's, uh, longevity and it's health, right? Um, it's okay to want to lose fat and change your body and achieve these goals. What's not okay is that you do it at the expense of your mental and emotional and physical health. Um, because, you know, fitting in sizes, uh, two sizes down is not going to be worth it if you're feeling like complete shit and you don't have enough energy to be present with the people that matter. And so I would say, A general rule of thumb is um, if you are, let's just say, you track your baseline and you're eating around, you know, 2,000 calories, a good percentage deficit would be maybe around 10%. Um, So try to calculate what is 10% of those calories. um, I'm sorry, negative 10%. And cut from specifically fats and carbs. You definitely want to make sure that you are eating. Um, enough protein and you're not really uh, you're not really reducing that um, at any point um, but you really want to make sure that the deficit is coming from primarily fats and carbs and this is flexible this is part of flexible dieting so you can really choose like uh, you know um, if you want a little bit of both um, re- to reduce a little bit of both or if you just want to focus on carbohydrates or you'd want to focus on fats. Um, but again, it's really um, important that you are mindful of that because dietary fats are also essential for our brain, cognitive health and functioning and energy. And then carbohydrates are essential for our strength training goals and building muscle and maximizing our performance in the gym. So again, that's why you definitely want to go slower rather than faster so you can still maintain as much muscle mass while you're going through this deficit. I don't know if you want to add anything to that, Alyssa. Yeah. I think when people decide they want to lose weight, it's usually in a panic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a panic. It's a quick deadline and they can't see past that wedding coming up or that cruise they're going on. They have to be in a bikini. And instead of trying to do a quick fix, it's it's got to be from a, a, a lifelong, like this is their journey I'm going to be on for the rest of my life instead of I just need to get down to the size as quick as possible. Because anyone, like she was saying, can white knuckle <laughs> their way through an aggressive diet, but it's not going to be sustainable or healthy long-term. Yeah. I love that point. Anybody can lose weight. The, the Weight loss is not the problem here. It's keeping it off that most people struggle with. And it's most, and it's most people struggle with it because y'all keep looking for those quick fixes with Octavia mm-hmm. and intermittent fasting and keto and all of these diets that you know inside of you, you know it's not you shouldn't be doing it, but you keep doing it because um, there's a lack of self accountability when it comes to actually educating yourself on nutrition. How does nutrition actually work? It's really easy to do something like keto. Oh, I just don't eat carbs. Perfect. Don't have to think about it. <laughs> Right. People love a rule book. Just give me the rules. What rules do I follow? 100%. Yeah. And that's, I think a lot of people, um, not a lot, I would say, you know, we've definitely had some clients um, struggle with that mindset because they just want to be told what to do. I don't want to think about it. I'm too busy. Mm -hmm. I just want a meal plan. I just want you to tell me what to do. And if that is where you're at, you know, 
we're probably not the right nutrition coaching company for you. Mm -hmm. And we're not going to support that because we don't believe in meal plans because that is not going to equip you with the right tools to do this by yourself once you're done working with us. And so that's really important to know that, yeah, you're going to have to put some work into it. I mean, there's no way around it. You're going to have to be intentional. You're going to have to be up for learning. You're going to have to you know, do some trial and error and be okay with slower pro progress. Um, so yeah, that was a really great point. Let's carry on with building muscle. Yes, building muscle. So we want to give you the secret, which is not so much of a secret, <laughs> the secret <laughs> formula of building muscle. Um, did you want to go into this or did you want me to? No, go for okay. it. So with strength training, I also kind of feel like strength training has become a little bit of a buzzword. If I'm being completely honest, I see a lot of, uh, the, like, like orange theory and Peloton and beach body using words like strength training. And I think, um, you know, it's a great marketing tool because a lot of people know that they need to be strength training, um, to build muscle. Um, but I also feel like, um, it's just, I mean, these places aren't really informing people on what actual strength training is. Um, strength training is not just exercising with some weights, right? Um, strength training, there's a, there, I should go take a couple steps back, but there's a difference between working out and strength training, working out your you're not really following a specific plan. You are moving your body. You're doing exercises that you like. Sometimes this can change day to day. This is really just, you know, getting your body moving. Maybe you do have some specific goals, um, but there's no like set plan or target outcome that is in place. When it comes to strength training, you have a set program. It's designed in a progressive overload fashion where it's, it's helping you work towards a really specific outcome when it comes to actually building strength with specific exercises and um, targeting specific muscle groups for building muscle, for muscle hypertrophy, hypertrophy. <laughs> I always, <laughs> um, yeah. And so, um, this is really important to differentiate the two. Um, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with orange theory or beach body or Peloton or any of those exercises. But what I I'm hoping to do is educate people on, you know, there is a difference between those types mm -hmm. of exercises, specifically if you have specific goals on, building strength and muscle. Um, right. I think that's a good point too, because it's like, if you're not moving at all and you're just going to get to an orange theory class or a Peloton, yeah. do it, do it, boo. Like yeah. we prefer you seeing you moving your body in some way. And we don't want to downplay those, those group experience. Cause I'm a group fitness instructor. Those classes are great. They're fun. I used to coach at a Pilates studio and I, it was a strength ba based training class. Mm -hmm. And it brings the great part about group fitness is it brings people together. It motivates people to go. They have a time and then a place, but like Shantae was saying, if your goals are super specific on aesthetics, wanting your body to look a certain way, and you keep running your head into the wall and you keep going to Orange Theory four times a week and you're not seeing the changes, it's because you aren't following your program and you're not doing what we're about to go into right now. <laughs> yes, that is a great point. Yeah, we definitely don't want to like shame or downplay anybody for doing these different exercises. We encourage everybody to move their body, exercise, and do exercises that bring them joy 
and all that stuff. So um, with that being said, what exactly is strength training? Well, there are some core components to strength training, and it's basically where you are forcing adaptations through progressive overload. And this doesn't always necessarily mean just adding more weight to the bar, because I think that's also another misconception where um, you're like, oh, I just need to add weight to my squats or my deadlift or my bench every single week. That's really freaking hard to do. Um, you're not going to be able to add weight every single week forever, right? Um, but progressive overload can also mean um, more reps with the same weight. Um, but you can't really improve weights or weight forever, right? And so if you want to continue to actually force adaptation, um, another thing that you could do is increase number of hard sets. Okay, so what are hard sets? What does this even mean? Um, well, there is an acronym called RPE, um, also known as Rate of Perceived Exertion. And this is just an intensity rating scale. So zero being not intense at all, 10 being... Um, like you, you can't even do one left. Like it's almost your max, right? It's, it's like one rep basically. Um, and so this is a rating scale that you give yourself or a coach gives you, or that's programmed in your strength training program, um, to force those adaptations for strength and building muscle. Now, the thing is newbies who are new to lifting and strength training have a really terrible time or I have a hard time gauging this rating mm -hmm. scale because you don't know what it is, right? You've never, you haven't hit failure so many times to understand what that feels like. And so in the beginning, when you are a newbie and getting into strength training, you might have to go until failure for quite a few times to really understand what that progression feels like before you can even get an accurate measurement of RPE. Um, and so um, that is something to keep in mind. So these are little things that are strategically programmed in your strength training program uh, by preferably a coach who knows what they're doing um, to help you force those adaptations. Because once you force those adaptations, then you can actually see muscle growth and um, increasing, you know, the amount, either the amount of uh, reps that you do or increasing weights uh, week by week. Yeah. With bodybuilding too. I love, I saw this quote somewhere. It's like power or Olymp like weightlifting is about making heavy weight look as light as possible, possible. Bodybuilding is about making lighter weight as heavy as possible. Ooh, I love that. Meaning really focusing on your mind muscle connection, your tempo, contracting the muscles at the top. So really focusing in on your lifts and the quality of your lifts. A hundred percent. Yeah. That's what I love about bodybuilding too. And switching from, cause I did a little bit of Olympic weightlifting and then I went into powerlifting and then I switched to bodybuilding and all three of those lifts are so different. I mean, Olympic weightlifting, I mean, that shit's just fucking hard. Okay. Like, I mean, <laughs> I respect, I love following Olympic weightlifting athletes because it's just what you said. It, they make heavy ass weight look like nothing. Like, and I, I'm lying in the air. In the air. It, it's amazing to me, and I love it. I love watching their performance. It's just so artistic in a way. Um, and then powerlifting, yeah, it's like the traditional like lift as heavy as you can with your main lift, squat, ben bench, deadlift. Um, and then that's where you can get like a really big ego, right? Where you can get like um, you get all you know 
excited about lifting so much heavy weight and then you switch over to the bodybuilding, it's like, oh shit, like there's some really cool techniques that you can incorporate in bodybuilding where you can increase the reps, lower the weight, um, really focus on my mind-muscle connection. There's some really lightweight that really challenges your ego uh, for a little bit when it comes to bodybuilding. So those are just some uh, fun, different lifting styles if you get into that. Another way that you can force adaptation or um, increase uh, muscle growth is frequency. Working out body parts more than just one to two times per week. Um, Two times per week is obviously going to be better than one time per week because of those added reps and uh, force on the weight on those muscle groups. Um, You're definitely going to increase the chances of building muscle during that time. Now, the challenge with that is, I mean, depends if you have time for this, right? If you can get to the gym five days per week, maybe three of those days are legs, two of those days are upper body. Um, not a whole lot of people. Well, I don't know. I mean, it just depends on what your schedule is and, um, what your goals are. Um, but I know for me for a really long time, I was lifting five, even, you know, in my early days, six days per week. And so, whew, man, that's crazy. That's a lot of volume right there. And so there was a point where I was lifting legs three times per week. Um, and damn, my legs look thick and stacked. And that was really just because I um, had a lot of opportunities to uh, work on my legs. And so there is really no must do exercises. Muscles just respond to tension and stretch, right? And so if you have a solid program with, you know, upper body, lower body, you know, frequency, and you are, have that, you know, progressive overload style of programming, um, you'll definitely be in a really great place to build muscle and strength. Also, do you want to get into yeah. the uh, nutrition aspect of that? Absolutely. So while you're building muscle, it's so important to make sure you're getting quality protein sources in and getting calories in an optimal range. If you are listening, um, a good way you can kind of just get a ballpark is taking your goal weight and timesing it by 12. And then that'll give you the range. So say you want your goal weight to be 150, multiply that by 12, that'll give you 1800. And then you're going to have a range, right? So maybe 1800 calories a day, uh, plus 200 or minus 200, as long as you're in that calorie range, um, that's going to be a good place to start. Um, you want to get at least 0.8 to 1 gram per pound of body weight of protein. Uh, this is going to be so imp- important for uh, protein synthesis to making sure that your muscles are getting enough protein because that's what's going to create, you're going to be able to build muscle that way, right? You got to be eating enough calories um, and protein to make sure you're fueling yourself properly. This means no skipping meals, especially breakfast. We talk about this all the time. Um, I know Shante has a million reels about not skipping breakfast. <laughs> yeah. Well, when, Do you yeah, want- when you are sleeping, when we are sleeping, our body is resting and recovering, right? And so if you continue to skip breakfast, uh, this is especially important for women because we're a lot more sensitive to hormones than men. 
But if you skip breakfast because for whatever reason you're not hungry, and I can go into that on why you might not be experiencing hunger in the mornings, um, you're going to continue some um, something called muscle. Um, you're going to continue to be in a catabolic state, which is basically muscle protein breakdown, and that's not good, especially if you have goals. Which you know, I think we all have goals to at least maintain our muscle mass, especially as we're aging. Um, skipping breakfast is going to uh, drive you to continue to be in a state of breaking muscle tissue down. Um, so in order to stimulate muscle protein synthesis in the morning, you want to at least have, you know, 20 to 30 grams of protein in the morning. I'm not talking about like first thing you do when you wake up, I'm talking about, you know, within a reasonable time frame. um, it's really important to, um, have that dose of protein. I personally, really love to think of protein as like your daily dose of medicine. Um, just like you would take any other medication for yourself, you know, for ADHD or or whatever. Um, think of protein as your medicine for your body, for your muscle cells. And so first dose of medicine of, uh, protein medicine in the morning. And then, you know, um, throughout the day, really trying to eat, um, according to your specific goals. And so another disadvantage for fasting for women who fast, it limits your opportunity to actually reach your protein goals because you are eating in a smaller time frame window. And so, um, you don't, you definitely don't want to be in a place where you're like stuffing yourself with just protein at the end of the night. That's not fun. That's not sustainable. I've definitely been there a few times myself, uh, because I wasn't eating enough throughout the day. Uh, and so really just making sure you get, I mean, I really try to go for at least 45 to 50 50 grams of protein first meal of the day. Um, it's usually after my post-workout meal. I, I typically do uh, train fasted, but my first meal after I uh, train is usually around 45 grams of protein, and you're definitely going to increase your chances of muscle protein synthesis at that point if you do not skip that first meal. And that's why I think eating, you know, four meals, maybe even five is beneficial because it's easier to break up that protein goal within, um, you know, four over four meals or five meals versus like one big one. Like you had mentioned, people fast all day, then try to get like, who wants to get 150 grams of protein in, in their last yeah, meal? Gross. That's yeah. not possible. That's gross. <laughs> that sounds big bowl of horrible. chicken. I've done that before. Oh. <laughs> You know, when I was first learning about macros and like learning how to portion out my meals, there were definitely numerous days where I would end the day with like 60, 70 grams of protein. I'm just eating a bowl of chicken. That's not fun. That's not cute. You're not going to want to do that. This is why we don't suggest or we don't uh, really like the idea of fasting. Yeah, exactly. Because of those reasons. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and then carbohydrates too, you guys don't forget about your carbohydrates, especially ladies, please. Um, this is essential for your training. If you're trying to build muscle and build, uh, strength, um, portioning out appropriate carbohydrate sources before and after your workout is going to help restore the glycogen, um, that has, that has been depleted from your muscles, um, during your workout. Um, so when you are exercising, when you are lifting and you're using that much energy to perform your best in the gym, um, your body is utilizing the stored carbohydrates and liver and muscles, um, for that performance. Right. And so you need to restore those after you're done working out. 
Um, so that's super important as well. And this is really important to track your food intake. Um, I mean, it doesn't have to be forever, just so you're kind of aware on like how much protein you should be eating before and after your workouts at least. And then anything else you want to add for nutrition, Lisa? Um, not for now. I think just wrapping up with rest and recovery. Yep. So you guys, yeah, Alyssa and uh, our other coach, Denise, they are specialists in sleep, stress, and recovery. Uh, And this is probably the part where a lot of women probably don't pay a whole lot of attention to, right? They're really just hyper-focused on nutrition and exercise. But when it comes to sleep and stress, that has more of an impact whether you're going to progress or not. Um, in these specific areas and it impacts our hormones, it impacts our energy, it impacts our choices. So Alyssa, if you want to go into um, the importance of sleep mm-hmm. and recovering and stress management, that mm-hmm. would be great. Yeah, absolutely. You guys, <laughs> I'm always talking to clients about sleep. It's, it is the underdog. I think no one really gives sleep enough credit. And it really is like the secret sauce to growing muscle. If you're not getting enough sleep, and I'm talking chronic, like if you are constantly getting six, five hours, six hours, and maybe one night, good night sleep, and then back to five or six. If you're doom scrolling all night, um, especially moms with new babies, this definitely is a difficult time. Um, And there's only so many things you can control. But when you can control <laughs> getting a quality sleep, setting up your environment is such an important aspect, which we all help our clients do. But the reason why it's so important is one, you're, when you sleep, you are building muscle. Um, and then hormones like leptin and ghrelin, if you are chronically undersle- um, underslept, those two hormones are going to be out of whack. And that's going to make you really hungry unsatiable. It's not, you're not ever going to feel satisfied. You're going to be hungry, um, not satisfied. And then also cranky. Um, let's not mood also dips when you're, um, when you haven't gotten a good night's sleep, you're not going to feel like working out. A lot of my clients, uh, we always talk about motivation. It's like this magical thing. Like I need motivation to hit the gym. I'm like, no, you don't. Let me tell you the secret. You want the formula to motivation. It's purpose. You got to know your why energy. <laughs> it's Energy is such a big factor. If you are exhausted, you're not going to have the motivation, and I'm doing this in quotes, to go hit a good leg day. And then small, simple steps. That is the secret formula for motivation. Purpose, energy, small. That is the secret sauce, <laughs> small, simple steps. So sleep has a big um, uh, factor in that. If you are not getting sleep, you're not going to recover well. Um, and you're not going to show up in your best possible way when you do your lifting sessions. Um, anything else you want to add to that? No, that's great. I mean, mm-hmm. sleep is definitely one of those things that I talk to my husband a lot about. <laughs> He's definitely going to the gym uh, with four or five hours of sleep frequently. And um, yeah, I mean, it's like one of those things where we feel like we are putting in the work, but it's actually digging us into a deeper hole. We're not building the muscle that we think we are when we're sleep deprived going to the gym. And so even though it could be hard and challenging to perhaps maybe skip a day or two of working out um, to get some sleep, adequate sleep, you'll be shocked at how much better and how much more strong you are at the gym during the days that you do go. 
Um, and then stress management, I think too, is, is so important. Um, I touched on that a little bit earlier when it comes to metabolism and stress being the other component of metabolism. And, you know, it seems, um, it seems like it wouldn't affect it that much, but it has more an effect on our metabolism than sometimes food itself. Because when we're experiencing inflammation and sleep deprivation and um, GI issues and you know perceived stress, that's going to have an impact on our motivation. Like Alyssa said, our motivation to move more, our motivation to eat right. Uh, and so if you're not managing your stress well, then you're most likely not going to stick to your goals long-term. Love that. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I hope you guys learned a lot. Yes. That was helpful. Um, I'm sure there was so many other things that we didn't touch on. Uh, there's so many um, factors when it comes to building muscle and strength. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. And again, it really just comes down to applying all of these things consistently over a long period of time and not going into these cycles of, oh, I fell off track for two months and I'm now I'm back on track. Oh, I fell off track or, oh, I gained the weight back and now I'm you know back to the keto and intermittent fasting thing. Um, if you actually want to make this a lifelong thing and see a full physical transformation and feel your absolute best, you need to ditch the yo-yo dieting. You need to stop starving yourself and um, you need to optimize your lifestyle in a way that's going to support these goals long-term. So with that being said, thank you so much for joining. We shall see y'all next time. Bye. All right. See ya. Bye.